0: All right, if you take God's precious word and turn to the book of Proverbs, please. Book of Proverbs. God willing, we'll be expounding verses 13 uh, 13 through 16 in chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. Enjoyed my study quite a bit actually. If you look with me in verse 13 tonight, Solomon says, happy is the man that findeth wisdom. You know, we don't talk about happiness a lot in the Bible when you think about it. Um, We don't talk about happiness a lot in church. Uh, We usually talk about joy. We usually compare joy to happiness and we usually try to direct everyone's attention to focus on joy rather than happiness, you know. And, uh, uh, or, or we'll talk about peace, we'll talk about assurance. But happiness isn't discussed a whole lot. And the great thing about joy is that no matter what's going on in our life, no matter what the, the, our circumstances happen to be in life, there's Miss Charlotte, Good to see you, Miss Charlotte. No matter what happens in our circumstances in life, we can always have joy because our joy is based on Jesus. On the other hand, happiness depends on what happens, right? Our happenstance. And so happiness depends on what's happening in your life and happiness depends on your earthly circumstances while joy depends on your heavenly position in Jesus. So that's why we usually emphasize the unchanging joy of Jesus because it will sustain your hearts and minds when all these earthly troubles come our way. And they do. But you know, there is a lot to be said for happiness too. I like being happy, you know. I like it. Uh, There's a lot to be said for the pleasure of having good things happening in your life. We've all experienced difficult times and we preach on difficult times. and We talk about how they draw you closer to the Lord. And we preach on those things more so because that's the times when we really need help, you know, is in the difficult times. And at the same time, even though it's wonderful to know that we're loved and accepted and there's grace for us in those uh, hard times, it's, it's also nice to know that... Uh, Uh, there's plenty of money in the bank, (laughs) you know. It's also nice to know that things happen to be going my way at the time, you know, if, if you're that way, you know, things are going your way. It's nice when you and your family are experiencing good health. It's nice when you have good friends and a good church that you belong to. Generally speaking, sometimes everything is fine and everything is going your way. It's good to have those times. There's nothing wrong with them. As Christians, we all expect our faith to be tried. Jesus said, In the world, you'll have tribulation, right? But did you know that God wants you to have happy times too? He wants you to have happiness. He does. God wants you to have some times when things are going your way, He wants you to build experience that sometimes. How do we know that? This is not a prosperity gospel. But at the same time, Christianity isn't all about going off licking our wounds and praising Jesus either. I mean, there is a benefit to having wisdom. And that benefit is, one of the benefits, many benefits is, that wisdom will help you avoid the unnecessary troubles of life. When God brings a tribulation to us, Well, you're not going to avoid that. That's the trial of our faith. But what we don't want to do is bring trouble upon ourselves. And that's what wisdom does for us. It keeps us from our own stupidity. But how do we know God wants us to have happiness? Well, Solomon said, happy is the man that has wisdom and we know for a fact that God wants us to have wisdom because when we started studying the book of Proverbs chapter 1 we were told that's what the proverbs are for to give us wisdom and if we get wisdom we get happy isn't that good all right so god wants you to be happy sometimes and <clears throat> and um, again why is a man happy when he finds wisdom because wisdom allows us to avoid those pitfalls the pitfalls of sin and the ignorance and, uh, of our flesh. And, and in lieu of that, to be guided by the, the, uh, the wisdom of God. The many wonderful benefits of that, those wise paths. Right? That He lays out for us in His Word. I'll sum it up like this. To be foolish is to experience unnecessary sorrow. To be wise is to experience the happiness God intended you to have. I'm going to say it again. To be foolish is to experience unnecessary sorrow. To be wise is to experience the happiness God intended for you to have. So, here's what I want to do tonight before we move forward. Since God tells us to get wisdom... And since God tells us that whoever has wisdom is happy when he finds it, that lets us know that God wants you to be happy. There is a time. There's a time for laughing, for crying, for sorrow, for life, for death. The book of Ecclesiastes says, right, there's a time for it all. So, don't feel guilty when you're happy. Don't feel guilty when you're happy. And a lot of people say, well, why would I feel guilty when I'm happy? You know, a lot of people do. A lot of people in their minds, that devil will come in and attack their minds and say, when I look at all the suffering people in the world, you should feel guilt and you should feel sorrow and you should feel guilty for being happy. You don't need to feel happy. No, sometimes we need to feel happy. That's a gift from God. And then when the happiness leaves and the hard times come on, that's okay because we have the grace of God In those times too. But the Apostle Paul said. That he learned how to be abased. But how else did he learn how to be? He also said learn how to abound. Okay. So to be both be full. and and, and, And to be hungry too. To abound and to suffer need. So in every circumstance. He was content in Jesus. And we need to be the same. So thank God. For the blessings. When God gives you blessings and when he get, everything's going your way, praise God for those times and you enjoy every bit of them. Because they're not going to stay for long. But you enjoy every bit of them and you thank Jesus for them. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Most of the sorrow we experience in life is completely avoidable. If we only had and if we only exercised wisdom in our lives, Now, to find wisdom, you're going to have to look for it. You're going to have to be proactive. Solomon didn't say, happy is the man whom wisdom finds. Right? Wisdom's not doing the one seeking here. He didn't say, happy is the one whom wisdom finds. He said, happy is the man who finds wisdom. So we have to actively seek and actively pray for God to give us wisdom. And then happy are we when we find it. Look back in your text... Happy is the man who finds wisdom, look, and the man that getteth understanding. So the man who gets, that means the man who obtains understanding, he's a happy man too. Okay? Now we have to understand that wisdom and understanding, they go hand in hand. Right? A lot of times we do that even in our English language. We'll use two words uh, to really express the same thing. So wisdom and understanding are, 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 are sort of the same thing. Almost like repentance and faith. If you think of it like that. They, they go hand in hand. And I believe that Solomon is basically using them interchangeably here. Even though since they are two different words. They can be distinguished by definition. So I'm going to tell you how I understand wisdom. And how I understand understanding. Okay? Understanding is the blessing of Of knowing how life works. In wisdom is the mental skill of putting that understanding to work in your life. I'll repeat it again. Understanding is the blessing of knowing how life works. In wisdom is the mental skill of being able to put that understanding to work in your life. Solomon said, This wisdom and understanding is something that can be found. In something that can be obtained. You can discover it and you can claim it and have it as an actual possession. Happy is the man who finds it, happy is the man who obtains it. So Psalm is treating wisdom here as an actual possession that a person can have. And not only a possession, but a very valuable possession. Okay? He says, look now, if you would, in verse 14. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver. Now, merchandise, if you're taking notes, uh, write down the word mer- merchandise. Merchandise. And you've got the spelling right there in your Bible. And and next to the word merchandise, where if you can, right above or right below the word merchandise, letter for letter, write down the word merchant. Merchant. And you'll see that it's almost the same word. M-E-R-C-H-A-N, right? Just like merchandise. And then the letter T. So, merchandise is the product that a merchant sells. And when the merchant sells their merchandise, the money they make by selling that merchandise is called profit, right? So when you see the word merchandise here, you need to be thinking of profit. That's the idea that needs to be coming into your mind. In fact, the Hebrew word that's translated as merchandise here by when you look it up in the Hebrew dictionary, it means Profit. You know, if a merchant's not careful, they can lose money on the merchandise they buy and sell. They can spend a little bit too much for the merchandise and think it's worth more. You say, well, I can I can turn a profit on this, I can buy it for two hundred, I'll sell it for three hundred in my shop. Well, if you buy it for two hundred and no one will give you any more than one fifty, you're gonna lose fifty dollars. You're not gonna make any profit at all. That was a poor investment that you made. But wisdom, Solomon says, is always profitable. Always profitable. It's profit no matter how you cut it. It's profit and it's better profit than anything else. Whatever effort, whatever price you happen to invest... In your merchandise of wisdom and understanding. Whatever you happen to pay for wisdom. The price you pay. Will always be less than the value of the wisdom you obtain. I'm going to say that again. Whatever price you pay in life for wisdom. And sometimes they're tough prices. But whatever. Aren't they brother Doug? They sure are. Man I tell you I've paid a pretty penny for the, the wisdom education certificate. And the price you pay for wisdom a lot of times is a high cost. But, here's the the glory of it all. Whatever price you happen to pay for wisdom, the price you pay will always be less than the value of the wisdom you obtain. You'll always make profit on it. You'll always come out ahead. Here Solomon is comparing wisdom to the profit made to investing in precious metals. Precious metals have always been considered a hedge against inflation. They're not doing too well right now in the times of inflation. Some of them are going down. But they've always been considered a hedge against inflation. Precious metals. He said the profit you make from understanding is better than that of silver. Look back in your text. And the gain thereof than fine gold. Gain means income. Okay? Profit. Income, profit coming into you. Gold and silver, again, have always been good sources of wealth. They've always been considered a good investment. If you seek and obtain silver and gold, if you were to mine the earth and you were to find it, and then you obtain it, and then you sell it, you can make yourself a handsome profit, your merchandise. But if you seek and obtain wisdom and understanding, And the profit you make from that is going to far exceed that of silver and gold. It will bring you greater income here in this world. It will make you richer in both physical and spiritual uh, treasures. And now Solomon is going to compare the wisdom, not just to the the merchandise of precious metals, but he he says, look in verse 15, she is more precious than rubies. 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 Precious means rare, rare, something that's not common. We hear precious metals all the time, and there's precious stones. And and one of the reasons that that some stones and some metals are, are so valuable is because they're so rare. They're precious, there's just not a lot of them. If rubies were as plentiful as the leaves that fall from the tree in your yard... My dad rakes leaves all the time. Rakes leaves and picks up sticks. That's what he does. And he gets very healthy doing it. But but if, if rubies were as common as the leaves that fall from the tree, then uh, you know what would happen after a while? They'd lose their value. In fact, you would be paying yard help to come... Rake all these rubies up out of my yard. I, they're going to kill my grass. You just want them to take those rubies away. Because there would be so many of them. But because they're rare. If you were to happen to be mowing the lawn one day or raking leaves. And you saw something reddish glimmering in the grass. You thought, what's that? Well, you would get on your hands and knees and you'd rejoice to find one. Why? It'd be the same thing you'd pay to have someone haul off. But because it's so rare, it makes it so valuable. And you know, wisdom is more rare than any ruby, than any silver, any gold. You know why? You can get rubies and silver and gold from all different places in the world. There's only one place you can get wisdom, and that's from God. You can only get it from God Through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's more rare than rubies Solomon said. Now look back in your text. And all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Anything in this world that you could possibly long for. Wealth, talent, beauty, fame, power, good looks like Brother Rick. Anything you could ever dream of couldn't be compared to wisdom. In the Hebrew, it's literally saying that nothing in this world can measure up to wisdom. Nothing is on the same level of grandness and value to that of wisdom and understanding, can even compare to it. That's what it's saying in the Hebrew. And here's why, and this is absolutely fantastic. Watch how Solomon is funneling the concept of wisdom down to this one idea right here. It's absolutely beautiful. He says in verse 16, Length of days is in her what? Not her hand. In her right hand. Length of days is in her right hand. Now, length of days is speaking of The extended life that wisdom has to offer to those who obtain it. Length of days is speaking about the duration of time that a wise person gets to enjoy. You know, I've visited a lot of sick people. I've preached a lot of funerals. I have no power to extend 30 seconds to somebody's life. Much less a day, or a week, or a year. I have no power to do that. You can take all the rubies you want to, pile them all together, all the silver and gold that you can can accumulate, you can stuff your pockets full of silver and gold, everything you can get, and it won't buy you a single hour of time. Not a single hour of life, all of these things, these earthly things, any worldly thing you have, has no ability to lengthen your living. But wisdom does. Wisdom has the power to give you eternal life. Did you know that's what Solomon's talking about here? He's talking about eternal life. Okay? Okay. The gospel is the wisdom of God that gives the eternal life of God. It gives the length of days. If you're taking notes, write down Psalm 21, verse 4 and 5. Psalm 21, verse 4 and 5. Now in Psalm 21, 4 and 5, King David is describing the length of days that God gave him. King David is describing the length of days that God gave him. And he's speaking in third person. Okay, David tells the Lord, in verse 4, He asked life of thee, and thou gavest it him, even length of days, forever and ever. Woo! Forever and ever. King David knew he was going to heaven. He knew he was going to live forever. He said, I asked for it. And I got it. Length of days forever and ever. His glory is great in thy salvation. Where does length of days come from? It comes from God's salvation. He says, honor and majesty hast thou laid upon him. So let me read that, those verses to you again together. He says, He asked life of thee, and thou gavest it him even length of days forever and ever. His glory is great in thy salvation. Honor and majesty hast thou laid upon him. Keep that in mind. So we see that true wisdom gives length of days that last forever. That's scripture. We just read it. And the wisdom that has the power to give this length of days that last forever and ever is only found in Jesus Christ. Write this down in your notes, to your margin. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23 and 24. The Apostle Paul said, But we preach Christ crucified. In other words... The gospel of an innocent Savior dying for man. He said, we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Jesus is the wisdom of God. Listen again to Psalm 21, 4 through 5. He asked life of thee, and thou gavest it him, even length of days, forever and ever. His glory is great, and thy salvation. Where does the length of days come from? Thy salvation, honor, and majesty hast thou laid upon him. Now, Now listen. I want you to see how those two things go together. Length of days and honor and majesty. Length of days were given. Honor and majesty were then placed on him. Make sense? Those two things. Length of days, honor and wisdom. Let me do it like this. Length of days, honor and wisdom. See what I'm doing with my hands? Length of days, honor and wisdom. Now keep that in mind here. And I want you to think back to what happened in the Garden of Eden. After Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam, when he ate from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was still the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. On the other hand, when Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life over here, it didn't go, whoo, just wilt and die, did it? We know it didn't wilt and die. In fact, we know that even after Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life still had power to do what? It still had power to give eternal life. It did. We know this from Genesis chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. This is after Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has is, is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life, and eat and live forever. You see, there was still the potential. After Adam ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, there was still the potential for him to take and eat from the tree of life. And live forever. Live forever. With that knowledge of good and evil. Okay? There was still that potential. And so what did God do? Therefore the Lord God sent him forth uh, from the garden of Eden. To till the ground from whence he was taken. So he said. "Ah, We can't let him eat from the tree of life. And live forever. After he's eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We're going to force him out of the garden of Eden. He said. Brother Richard. why, why, Why wouldn't God just go ahead and let him eat that? Had Adam eaten from the tree of life, think about it, had Adam eaten from the tree of life after he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he would still be alive today. He would still be alive today trapped in the body of his sinful flesh. Could you imagine what that would be like? Can you imagine what it would be like to be a fool with eternal life? To eternally be a fool. For all eternity. You would suffer from the. Ever compounding stress. Of the sin and foolishness. That followed you day and night. Could you imagine what it would have been like. For Adam and Eve. To forever live in shame. And hiding from God. Like they did that first day. When God walked into the garden, the cool of the day, and they ran and hid from God in shame forever. Length of days in that situation would be a curse to you. You see? Length of days would rob you of everything that's valuable except life itself, making life. Not worth living at all. You see? So wisdom not only has length of days in her right hand. That would have been the tree of life. You see, we are, we are already born into sin. So, as far as our position when we're first born, we're born in Adam. So, in Adam, we have already taken from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so wisdom has in her right hand length of days. Give us eternal life. We have the potential of eating from the tree of life right now because of wisdom. But we don't want to be in the same position as Adam. You don't want to have length of days and still have the indignation of your sin. You can't combine those two. That's what God... Uh, forbade there in the book of Genesis. And so Solomon says, not only does wisdom have length of days in her right hand, but she also has riches and honor in her left. Look back in your text, Solomon says, and in her left hand, riches and honor. Riches and honor. Now won't you think about what Solomon's saying. God's wisdom, here's the right hand, God's wisdom restores life. Because if you don't have life, you can't experience anything. You can't experience riches and honor without being alive, right? So the first thing it has to do is give you life. So in her right hand, the hand of power, wisdom has the power to give you length of days, to give you eternal life. And in her left hand, wisdom also has riches and honor to give you. So here's what you learn from that. God's wisdom not only restores life, but it restores the blessing and the glory that life was meant to bring. Oh, isn't that good? Wisdom not only restores life with her right hand, but wisdom in the gospel of Jesus Christ restores the blessing and glory that life was meant to bring. Jesus died first. And then He rose again to live forever. Think about that. He died first. And then He rose again to live forever. You see, before we rise again, Jesus died first. Before we rise again with Jesus, our sin must first be buried with Jesus. It must be put away. Put away. In its right hand, the cross gives us eternal life. You see? In its left hand, the cross gives us riches and honor. Or may I say the gospel. The the Bible says Christ crucified is the wisdom and power of God. We read that uh, when Paul wrote to the Corinthians just a a few minutes ago. And so through the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you receive Christ as your Savior. The wisdom of God which is the gospel. It gives you length of days from its right hand. It gives you uh, riches and honor with its left hand. It's a two handed blessing. You get both. It not only crucifies you with Jesus, it also conforms you to His image, restoring everything sin took away. Had Adam eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then gone over here and eaten from the tree of life as well, he would have increasingly become more and more and more... (laughs) Uh, 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 dilapidated and, and and his body more broken down and his mind more corrupt and, and he would have been given length of days but he wouldn't have been given riches and honor it would have robbed him to the point to where his life would have been absolutely hollow completely empty of everything that's good that's why God didn't give Adam life from the tree In the Garden of Eden. Think about it. God didn't give Adam life from a tree. Because He needed to give Adam life from a lamb. Does that make sense? So He rushed him out of the garden. Put him away from that tree of life. Because the tree of life could only give one thing. It could only give length of days. But by Jesus bearing Adam's sin putting it away in a tomb, and then taking His righteousness. Remember what David said? He said, riches and honor you've placed upon me. Remember that when we read that in the book of Psalms just a moment ago? Go back. Let's read that again. Watch now. We're about to close this up. Psalm 21, 4-5, through five, He asked life of thee, and thou gavest it him even length of days forever and ever. His glory is great in thy salvation. Honor and majesty hast thou laid upon him. Remember how uh, the, the Bible says the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all? In the same way, God has laid that glory and honor, I believe is what it says, uh, majest, uh, honor and majesty. He's laid that honor and that majesty Upon us. Our riches. And the glory. He's laid upon us. And so. Through the cross of Jesus Christ. He gave us the length of days. Because Jesus lives forever. But he took away our sin. Put. Laid Jesus righteousness on us. And gave us a two handed blessing. Making life. Worth living forever. Thank God He didn't let Adam eat from that tree of life. He gave us life from the Lamb instead. And now He is our tree of life as believers. We'll close there tonight and Lord willing we'll take back up next Wednesday night. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for Your precious Word. We're so grateful, Father, for the two-handed blessing You give us. You think of everything, God. Sometimes we just get tunnel vision. I have no doubt, Lord, had I been in that Garden of Eden, I'd have tried to rush immediately to take from that tree before You cut it down or before You drove me out and try to live forever and say, Oh no, I don't want to die. But Lord, I thank You that You didn't just give us life, But through your son. You made a way to restore the honor to. You made a way to restore the riches. The great blessing. Of him who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. To restore those things to us. You as David said. You laid majesty upon us too through Jesus. Making us children of the king. And joint heirs with the king of kings. Your gospel truly is the greatest wisdom of all. I thank you for letting us find it and for letting us obtain it by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray and we thank you and we are happy. Amen.